All right, I'm so excited this morning. How many of you know if your pastor's not excited about preaching the good news, he needs to find something else to do, all right? Um, I am so excited to, uh, to share God's word with you this morning, not because it's my cool message I put together, but how I many you know it's God's message and it's a much better message than any message uh, any person could put together. We've been talking about for king and country, and this Sunday in particular, this is... This message is one of those messages that defines living stones, all right? And that's why I've been sharing with you about this series on the kingdom. You can't really understand how we roll if you don't understand the king and the kingdom. And I shared with you last week, the kingdom of God was Jesus' main message, singular, almost singular message. Uh, he preached it everywhere that he went. We tried to demonstrate that. All the different times in the Gospels to talk about the king and the kingdom. And John, Jonathan Edwards said this, the seeking of the kingdom of God is the chief business of the Christian life. Isn't that good? Seek first the kingdom, and all these other things will be added unto you. So I want you to have a deep theological understanding for who you are, for where the kingdom is in your life, for where we are in human history, for the already and not yet, as we're going to talk about next week. Uh, but understand, and didn't you love the worship this morning? I hope, you're, I hope you're listening because so much of what we're singing has the word king in it, all right? It's singing about Jesus being our king. He's not just the king, but he's also our savior king. I mean, you know, that's a powerful combination. He comes to rescue us so that we can be brought into his kingdom so that we can enjoy the full benefits of his rule and reign over our lives. Uh, and that's an amazing thing. He is a savior king. I think the church has done a good job of emphasizing and teaching on the savior part. But I mean, you know, you're saved into something. Yes. You're saved from somewhere and you're brought into somewhere. You're saved from the kingdom of darkness and you're brought into the kingdom of his dear son. And so salvation even fits into the context of the larger picture, and that larger picture is of Jesus Christ and his kingdom. Every knee, we sang about this, every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess. Well, where do you bow? Who do you bow before? You bow before kings. And uh, we're going to bow before the king, and we're going to enjoy the full measure and the fullness of his kingdom that's to come. So let's talk about this today. I want to talk about the king's commission and I want to begin by simply putting the context of Jesus' birth in a warfare context. We like to picture the little baby Jesus with the big chubby cheeks at the manger and the wise men gathered around. But I want you to know that the birth of Christ, when he came out of Mary's womb, it was a battle cry. It was a declaration of war. And I want you to see the stuff that was surrounding the birth of Jesus this morning uh, because something cataclysmic was happening on planet Earth. Uh, and the devil, how I many you know the devil's not omniscient? He's not like God. God's not in competition with the devil. The devil's a created being. The devil doesn't know everything. The devil only knows what he hears and what he sees, all right? And Satan knows because he's heard the prophets over the years prophesying the coming of the king. So he knows there is a king coming. He knows that all the way back in the garden there was a, a curse pronounced upon him by God Almighty. Remember that? 
There's a seed that's coming who's going to smash your head. Everybody remember that. He knows his day is coming, and he's not excited about it. And he's trying, the Bible says in the book of Revelation, he's trying to create as much havoc and chaos and destruction as he possibly can because he knows every day is, is a day closer to his last day. Amen? And so you have to understand as we're moving toward the second coming of Jesus Christ, we're moving towards increased opposition and increased chaos and increased warfare. That's not a a reason for pessimism or for escapism. It should be a reason for the church to be all the more excited because our redemption is closer than when we first believed and that we have been equipped. Hear me on this one. You've been equipped for such a time as this. Sometimes we focus on the cross as an end of itself, but I mean, the cross was a means by which Jesus defeated all of our enemies and by which he empowered us to take dominion once again. And so no matter how crazy it gets out there, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And, and this is a time for the church to arise and a time for us to embrace our calling with a sense of expectation, but realism. I shared with you before, we didn't get saved for a love boat cruise, all right? We got birthed into a battle. And if you go through life kind of naively or thinking that salvation is a means by which God removes all the challenges from your life, you're going to be severely disappointed. We still have challenges, but by faith we overcome the world, amen, and everything in the world. And so let's take a look here. Um, I want to start in Matthew chapter 2. You know, the wise men were coming and they were looking for for Jesus. They said, where, I want you to listen to this. in In the context of what we're preaching right now, this is amazing. Here's the question they asked. Where is the newborn, not Savior, where is the newborn King? How many of you know the whole concept of Savior was not threatening to political figures, but the notion of a king that was coming kind of scares politicians because it means a job change, all right? It means a transition of power. And so the wise men said, where's the newborn king? And, and Herod, the Bible says, was deeply disturbed because he is a wicked potentate He's deeply disturbed. So look what he does. He calls a meeting. That's what politicians do when they're trying to fix things, right? He calls a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law, and he asks, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem of Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet, and that's referring to the prophet Micah, this is what the prophet Micah wrote. Verse 6, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you. Notice again, a prophetic declaration of a Savior who's going to be a ruler, a king. He will be the shepherd for my people Israel. And so Herod said, hey, guys, when you find out where this king is, let me know, because I want to come worship him too. Liar, liar, pants on fire, all right? He was not going to worship Jesus. He had no intention to worship this newborn king. And so the, I love this, the activity of the supernatural. These wise men are given a dream telling them to avoid Herod and basically head out of town after they worship the king. When Herod finds out, look at verse 16. When Herod finds out, he was furious 
when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. Herod's brutal action fulfilled what God has spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. Here's what Jeremiah said. A cry was heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted, for they are dead. Now, I want you to see something. This is a demonically inspired ruler who is, is in full-blown rage mode who goes out and, and put yourself in the context, mamas and dads, looks for every child in Bethlehem, two years of age and younger, and slaughters every single one of them. This was a demonic outbreak from hell itself trying to snuff out the life of the Savior King. How many of you know he's, 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 he's still an infant and blood is being shed, people are being murdered, mothers are mourning and grieving over the loss of their child. All this has happened, ready for this, because a baby was born. Not just a baby. There's something far more significant going on here. This is a savior king coming to planet Earth to restore the dominion that Adam and Eve lost years ago and to declare the kingship of God over planet Earth. This is, a, this is a, an act of war. This is like establishing a beachhead in enemy territory. If you could imagine how dark and wicked and demonized planet Earth was, if you could imagine the depth of depravity that was on this planet with no church, with no gospel, with no Holy Spirit. Uh, I mean, we're talking about a deep, dark, demonized place, and all hell is on alert. And when Jesus comes in and lets out that first cry as an infant, I believe all of hell shivered. All of hell shook. And what happens in the early days of Jesus' life, he's on the run. Not literally, he's a baby, but mom and dad are being warned by angels and vision to go here, go there, uh, until Herod is dead because Herod is out to kill them. And again, it's not Herod out to kill them. It is Satan out to kill the seed. And he's, he's simply in, empowering and inspiring this wicked king to do so. So this, this is the backdrop of Jesus. His birth was God's declaration of war against the kingdom of darkness. And I want you to listen to what Jesus said about his openly declaring the purpose for his coming. This is 1 John 3, 8. We love this, this verse, do we not? The Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Say that with me. The Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Why is Jesus here? He is on a destruction campaign. What is he destroying? Satan and everything associated with Satan's job description and his ministry and his purpose. Jesus is coming to attack the devil. He's coming to attack that kingdom. This is, again, a, this is a, a, a SWAT team mission from heaven and God is sending his best behind enemy lines on a subversive mission, all right? Jesus is out to destroy the works of the devil. Now, I want you to see this because this lays the foundation for spiritual warfare. Jesus' kingdom and Satan's kingdom are on a collision course. And if you don't understand this, you'll 
you'll turn the gospel into this woke kind of inept gospel that we have today. Some of you have seen it. It's summed up in this simple little uh, mathematical formula. Love equals love. Um, I wish people could understand that love has meaning, that love is defined by truth, that love is not letting people stay in bondage to the devil, but it's going after the bondage and declaring that there's freedom in Jesus' name. How many of you still believe, how many of you still believe Jesus sets prisoners free? Jesus breaks the power of the devil. And I'm just telling you, if we don't get this message and understand the warfare that God's called each of us to engage in, we will have nothing to offer a culture that's becoming increasingly demonized and perverted, all right? A culture that celebrates evil and wickedness. We will have nothing to offer because here's what the church has to offer. Are you ready? Not cool programs, not great Living Stones t-shirts. Here's what we have to offer. Freedom in Jesus' name. Freedom in Jesus' name over every work of the devil. And we do it with a smile on our face because we love people, but we hate the devil. We love people, but we hate the lie and the deception that tells people they can keep living in the kingdom of darkness and pretend, and please hear me, and pretend that the king is not coming and that justice is not coming. And that now is the opportunity where God says, all you traitors, you can repent and you can have full amnesty. You can come back. That's the message of the king and the kingdom. The thief's purpose, the Bible says, is to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus said, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I love the Amplified Version. I came that they may have and enjoy life, and have it in its abundance, meaning to the full until it overflows. Now, please hear me. We are meant to enjoy life. I just got to pause right there. Some Christians walk around, their faces so long and sad, and if you're not miserable, you're not holy, and if you're not holy, you're you're going to hell. We should enjoy Life in Christ. I was out with my beautiful bride last night. We were taking a walk. We were on the beautiful canopy of trees that line our property out here. We were looking at all the crazy construction. We were looking at all the setup for the kids. I saw Kirk and Joni here. They were getting ready. Uh, And we just looked at each other and we said, isn't this life God has blessed us with so absolutely amazing? We just started worshiping him. We just started thanking him. It doesn't mean we haven't been through hard times. We have been through hard times. So have you. But how many of you know at the end of the day, the life we have in Christ is better than anything the devil or the world has to offer any day of the week? Freedom is a beautiful thing. But how many of you know freedom without purpose is, is it leaves you lost? The purpose of what Christ came to bring us was so that it would overflow to set other people free and to let them experience the blessings that we enjoy. But look at the devil's job description. The devil is a liar. He is a stealer. He is a killer. He is a destroyer. Look what Jesus said in John 8, 44. For you, he's talking to the Pharisees, you are the children of your father, the devil. 
Love is love. Um, how many of you know Jesus told the truth? You are of your children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he always hated the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, it's consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So I want you to see this. As a murderer, Satan works against God, who is life. And let me just say, I'm going off-road here, but you need to connect some dots. Everything about the devil's political agenda equals death. He's pro-abortion. He's pro-gay marriage. I mean, you know, two women in this room will never conceive and have a child and bring forth life. Two men will never conceive and bring forth a child because it's biologically impossible. That's why the devil promotes it, because he hates life. Transgenderism, what are we doing? Now we're mutilating our children so that they will never, ever be able to reproduce life. Because everything the devil is about is about death and about neutering us and about keeping us from experiencing overflow of life. I mean, you know, when a man and woman get together in marriage and they have children, it is an overflow of their life together. Everything God does is about overflow and blessing and life. And the devil is a liar, which means not only does he, as a liar, he works against God, who is truth. Everything about the Father will lead you to life. Everything about Satan will lead you to death. And we have to know the difference between the truth and lies. And we have to have the courage in a culture today that celebrates perversion for 30 days. We have to have the courage to keep telling people the truth in love because that's the nature of spiritual warfare. Amen. Remember in the garden, Satan lied to them. They swallowed the lie. They were deceived. The deception led to disobedience. The disobedience led to death. And here's where we find ourselves today. But aren't you glad? Listen, aren't you glad God sent a Savior King? Because the presence of Jesus brings life and hope and freedom. Everywhere we go, we want to be carriers of the presence of the Lord and the power of the kingdom of God. And so I want you to see this. We talked about it last week. The signs of the kingdom are evidences that the devil and his minions are in full retreat at the advance of the king and of his kingdom. Listen to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. This is an important verse. Because God's children, you and I, are human beings made of flesh and blood, The Son also became flesh and blood. This next verse is important. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. In one translation, it says break the power, makes him ineffective and impotent. The cross made the devil ineffective and impotent. That's why we celebrate the cross. Jesus came as a man to take back the dominion God gave men. 
take back the authority God gave Adam and Eve. That's part of why Jesus had to take on flesh and blood, because it was flesh and blood that lost the kingdom expression on planet Earth, that handed over and forfeited the kingdom to the devil. So Jesus comes incognito. The story of redemption is the most beautiful, most heavenly, because no human mind could conceive it, story that's ever been given. It's a rescue mission and a love story all wrapped up in one. It's amazing. It's amazing. So through Jesus Christ, the sinless Son of God, the authority or the reign which we lost through sin has been reestablished for all who submit to God's grace and reign through faith in Jesus. Now, this, let's take a look at Luke chapter 11. This is what Jesus did for us. And when you go off into your day and you face the challenges of the world, the flesh, and the devil, this needs to be in your mind, all right? Luke chapter 11, beginning in verse 14. One day... Jesus cast out a demon through a power encounter from a man who couldn't speak, and when the demon was gone, the man began to speak. The crowds were amazed. Okay, I'm going to pause. Woke churches believe that because we're smarter than the Bible now, that demons didn't really exist. It was just stupid, ancient, pagan uneducated, unenlightened people's explanation for something medical that was really going on. But now we're enlightened and we don't believe in the devil anymore or in demons anymore because we're smarter than Jesus in the Bible and because we took a psychology course one time in school. <laughs> How many of you know it's dangerous to pretend like you're smarter than the Bible, all right? Every sickness is not always caused directly by a demon. But how many know there are still sicknesses that are caused directly from demons? And, and they will not be cured physically if they're demonically rooted. In other words, you can go to the doctor and all that kind of stuff. You're not going to cure a demon with a pill or a surgery. The devil still exists. A third of the angels launched out of heaven. How many know they're still real and they're still on planet Earth? And they're still lying and stealing and killing and murdering and destroying. That's what they're still doing. So back to our text, Jesus cast out the devil. But some of them said, no wonder he can cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan, the prince of demons. Others trying to test Jesus demanded that he show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. Verse 17, but he knew their thoughts. He said, any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. A family splintered by feuding will fall apart. Can we just pause right here? Amen. Your spouse is not the devil. Amen. Your spouse is not your enemy. If the devil can get in your home and cause you to fight each other and bring strife in your home, he will destroy you. Let me tell you something else. I have never been challenged by what's outside the church as to a threat to our mission or our vision because we are winners. But many times I have watched the church become immobilized and impotent because we think the person sitting next to us is our enemy. And if a civil war happens in the house... The devil laughs outside of the house. He actually is laughing in the house because we're, we're, he's running the show in the house. 
But a kingdom that's divided against itself, a nation divided against itself cannot stand. Which is why, can I just tell you, we have never been more divided as the, as the United States of America, perhaps since Civil War days. And God granted a second great awakening that kept this union together. And I believe with all my heart, we need a third great awakening. Um, we need heaven to show up because what's happening right now is is designed by hell to split us apart because a nation divided cannot stand. This is important. Abraham Lincoln quoted this in his Gettysburg Address. He understood that you cannot be a family that's feuding and stay together. You say, I am empowered by Satan, but if Satan is divided and fighting against himself, how can his kingdom survive? And if I am empowered by Satan, what about your own exor exorcists? They cast out demons too. So they will condemn you for what you have said. But here's our key verse again. Look at verse 20. But if I am casting out demons by the power of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. This is the present tense understanding. Some of you have been raised in denominations where the kingdom was pushed to a future reality. It's going to happen someday when, after Jesus returns. And so there is zero expectation for any of this kind of power encounter or ministry happening now. But Jesus said very clearly, if I'm casting out devils right now, by the power of the kingdom of God, then the kingdom is in your midst, in the person and presence of Jesus. So in a very real way, Jesus was saying, I am establishing kingdom power and presence and authority now. Now we're going to get into next week talking about the tension in which we're living in, but this is a very important verse. And here, look what he says in verse 21. For when a strong man is fully armed and, the guards, and guards his palace, his possessions are safe. Until someone even stronger attacks and overpowers him and strips him of his weapons and carries off his belongings. Satan, of course, is that strong man. His house or his palace is this present evil age. His goods are men and women under his influence. And how many of you know here's the good news? Somebody stronger than Satan has arrived. The devil has been overpowered by Jesus Christ. He's been stripped of his weapons, and now his belongings are being carried off. What are his belongings? Precious people made in his image and likeness that were once under the grip of the devil are now being rescued by a stronger, greater power named Jesus Christ who has bound the strong man and now is plundering his house. Now, how many of you know, because Jesus has already bound the strong man and he's now commissioning us to go, we get to go in the power of his name and collect all the possessions. Well, what are the possessions? It's not material stuff. It's souls. It's people. Who, love, who we love and care about, and who God loves and cares about. And this is the message. Can you believe we can look at any situation, any person, any problem, and say somebody stronger has come who has authority over your situation and has bound the strong man. So here's the, here's the good news. Freedom for you. You can be free. You don't have to live that way, act that way, think that way. Somebody greater than the devil has come and plundered his house. His name is Jesus. And so let me, man alive, I've only got three minutes. I hate that clock. All right. Jesus said, please hear this. Anyone who isn't with me opposes me, and anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. You got to hear this. There are so many Christians who want to take the neutral ground. 
There is no neutral ground. You're either gathering with the Lord or scattering. There is no neutral ground. I, listen, we've got lots of amazing people here serving public education, but this is the challenge of public education. There is no neutrality. You are preaching some ideology or worldview every time a teacher opens his or her mouth. There is no neutrality. You're either gathering or you're scattering. You're either preaching truth or you're preaching falsehood. You're either in the kingdom or you're not in the kingdom. And that's the challenge of every Christian administrator, leader, teacher. My dad was one for 35 years. Bring the kingdom to work. Bring the kingdom to the classroom. Preach the gospel as Students engage you. There's no neutral place anywhere. All right. Let me hit this quick. We have been commissioned for battle. This is the, this is the big launch, stepping stone, all right? Everybody's amening Jesus, right? Go get him, Jesus. But here's the good news and the bad news all mixed into one. Jesus said, no, this is not an army of one. I'm just the captain and the king. You're the army. Wait, some of you coming from churches, what? No, Jesus, we don't do that in church anymore. These things don't happen anymore. No. Wrong, 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 wrong. Look at John 20, 21, and he said to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending, which means his mission is your mission. Let's go to the next verse. He spoke this to the 12. Actually, it's Acts 1.8. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you're going to be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. Who's that going to? That's, that's us he's talking to. Look at the 12, Matthew 10, verse 7. Jesus sent out the 12 apostles with these instructions. Don't go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans, but only to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is here, is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons, give as freely as you have received, Give that away to other people. Has anybody in this room received any freedom since Jesus came into your life? Anybody been rescued? Now listen, this is important. You have a responsibility. You have a mandate. You have a duty to give away exactly what you've received to somebody else. How many of you know you cannot keep it to yourself? You must give him away to others. Now, that was the 12. Let's go. The, the, the net gets wider. Look at Luke chapter 10. Here we have the 72. Heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you now. We wipe even the dust of your own town from your feet to show that we have abandoned you to your fate. And know this, the kingdom of God is near. There it is again. Look at Luke 10, verse 17. When the 72 returned... They joyfully reported, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Wow. They obey us when we use your name because that's where the authority and the power come from. But can you see what's happening here? And then he commissioned 
All the disciples go into every nation. Preach, teach, baptize, pray for the sick. Freely you receive, freely give it away. This is exciting. I thought we just got to go to Sunday school and show up at church and throw money in the offering plate. No, this is just the training place. Practice happens out there. Hey, can I pray for you? Do you mind if we pray over this situation? Hey, listen, invite Jesus. You know, the strong man's been bound. Let's invite Jesus, the strongest one, to come into this situation. What do you say? What do you say? Let's pray. Here, now, yes. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's believe God. Let's invite him into the situation. That's what we get to do. Because Jesus commissioned you, and he commissioned me. And so it's on-the-job training. It's training for reigning. We're going to talk about next week some of the tension points. But stand to your feet. Let me pray with you. If you're with me and you're saying, Jesus, I received my commission, can you just bow your head with me and just lift your hands to the Lord? Father, here we are. We give ourselves to you. We thank you for rescuing us. And, Lord, most of all, thank you for freeing us and then commissioning us. What, what a crazy idea that we get to be your hands and feet and we get to go minister the authority that you brought. In your name, Lord, in your name, nothing is impossible. So Jesus, may your name be on our lips. May your name be in our heart. May your name, Lord, fill us with passion for people. And most of all, may your name fill us with passion for you. Jesus, we love you. We lift our hands as a sign of surrender. Holy Spirit, blow over this congregation right now. Give us fresh fire. Give us fresh baptism of the Spirit. Holy Spirit, fill us. Anoint us. God, we're believing you for great things, even today and even this week, as we go about your business, our business, shopping, feeding kids, gas stations, work, whatever we're at. Jesus, let us be instruments of your kingdom and your authority and your power and your presence. Father, we love you. We honor you. We receive this commission. We receive this ambassadorship. We receive this calling to rule and reign in your absence on planet earth. May your kingdom come and may your will be done on earth even as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. 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 Let's give him a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Let's go to war. What do you say? Let's go to war. Have a great day.